Please join me in now in prayer. Thank you, God, for your written word, which reveals to us the living word of God in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that in him has been revealed all wisdom and grace, all knowledge and understanding, all truth and hope, all life and light. In his name we pray, amen. An epistle reading from 1 John chapter 5, from verse 6, the word of the Lord. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree, if we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his Son, Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Rena. Friends, I've had many dreams about how this sermon will start. They're all really bad. But um, we're not living in a dream world, and I am very thankful for that. So many of you know me pretty well. Um, and you know that I share a lot about myself in the pulpit, so I'm going to do it again. Um, I am a big-time sports fan. I love playing sports. And I've loved just about every sport, except for at a session meeting, we determined that I don't love curling. But other than curling, I love every sport. Um, and I especially loved them when I, was, when I was younger. And I felt like I was a pretty good athlete until I started playing with guys my own age and guys that were... Um, were better than me. And then I realized, whoa, I'm not that great of an athlete, and I, I don't know if I have the confidence to be here. Um, it, it became a, a challenging thing for me to enjoy sports, particularly when I was in college, because that's when I was really out of my league. I was playing with a bunch of guys in the, on the basketball court, and they, some of them had scholarships to be there. Some of them um, were just stars. And I, to be honest, the only reason I signed up for the team was because when I was scrolling through the players' roster, when I was checking out the school, I found that most of them were white, and most of them were about 5'9". So I was like, hey, <laughs> we mu they must not be very good. I could probably fit in. I could probably do just fine. <laughs> and they were much better than me. They were much better than me, even um, for guys that looked a lot like me. And I remember talking to one of them one time, and this is a constant, constant mantra in my life. Uh, I was walking to the gym, and I was like, dude, I just don't belong here. I just stink. I, I just wish I didn't stink. And he looked at me, and he was like, Sam, you just can't say that you stink, because if you say you stink, you're going to stink, and then it's all going to be bad. And I was like, ah, th thanks. That's what I needed to hear. Um, and that started in me um, uh, 
a hardness against people who were confident. Because if you're on the court, you have to be confident. If you're on the field, you have to be confident. You have to know that you can at least stand up to get the guy in front of you. It's ridiculous that anyone gets on the court with LeBron James, right? He's one of the best basketball players in the world right now. And that people can even think that they can step on the court with him is that blows my mind. But these people do. Because <laughs> they have confidence. They can handle LeBron. You know? And confidence. The confidence that people would exude on the court just made me feel like I was less, like I just couldn't keep up. Now, I tell you this because um, when I was studying this passage, I found in Jesus someone I didn't like. As I was looking at this passage and I was engaging with it, I was like, man, why, why, does, Jesus, why does Jesus just rub me the wrong way in this passage? Why don't I like him? Why doesn't he seem beautiful to me like he normally does? Why, why, does he, why does he bother me? And it's because he was the most confident guy in the room in this passage. And when I see confident people, my first reaction is to be jealous of them because I wish I had it. I just really wish I had some confidence. Second reaction, because that jealousy ramps up really quickly, second reaction is that I get really bitter against them and then I get envious of them. And then I start to think really trashy things about them. Like, oh, that guy just is really good at living with a mask. Or, oh, that guy just is really good at making it look like he's the man, but I know that I'm going to be seeing his kids one day and they're going to be talking about all of the ways that he hurt them. Right? Like all these kinds of terrible things. Um, sometimes I'll even think, uh, man, he's just overcompensating for a lot of things that he's losing in. Right? And, and all of that is my defense mechanisms, guys, because I'm, I just don't trust confident people because I'm not a confident person. And I'd rather people just be like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing either. Just be down the mud with me. Oh, we're all just going to hold hands and figure this out together. And there's sometimes when I'm reading through the text and Jesus is that guy, and I love it. He, doesn't, he never doesn't know what he's doing, but he does just kind of come down in the mud and just sit with me and says, hey, we're going to get you there. And then there's other times when he, when he like talks to someone who he has no business talking to and he loves them really well. And you get these images of Jesus and you're like, wow, that image makes my heart sore. And I want to encourage you guys. There are times when the images of Jesus don't make your heart sore. There are times when the image of Jesus that you see is going to be one that just hurts. And the Lord is working there. And he's showing you what you need. And he's giving you his love in a way that you desperately need. And the testimony, the testimony of my week in studying this passage is that on Friday night, um, the Lord met me in my lack of confidence. He met me and said, Sam, I love you. And I'm showing you the beauty of who I am in the person that you despise. And I'm drawing you into myself. And I'm like that board that Dave talked about. It's all crooked and wonky. And Jesus is putting himself up against me and saying, I'm making you straight. So let's, let's dive into this passage and you'll see um, what I'm talking about, hopefully. If I testify about myself, my testimony... Oh, this is John 5, 31 and following. Sorry. If I testify about myself, my testimony is not valid. 
There is another who testifies in my favor, and I know, I know that his testimony about me is valid. You have sent to John, and he testifies to the truth. Not that I accept human testimony, but I mention it, that you might be saved. John was a lamp that burned and gave light, and you chose for a time to enjoy his light. I have a testimony weightier than that of John. For the very work that the Father has given me to finish and which I am doing testifies that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has Himself testified concerning me. You have never heard His voice, nor seen His form, nor does His word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one He sent. You diligently study the Scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. I do not accept praise from men, but I know you. I know that you do not have the love of God in your hearts. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not accept me. But if someone else comes in his own name, you will accept him. How can you believe if you accept praise from one another and make no effort to obtain the praise that comes from the only God. But do not think I will accuse you before the Father. Your accuser is Moses, on whom your hope are set. If you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But since you do not believe what he wrote, how are you going to believe what I say? And that's the end. <laughs> Great. (laughs) How are you going to believe what I say? So what's going on here? Let's pray, and then we'll talk about it. Heavenly Father, you are the King. You give us confidence. You reveal yourself to be confident in the testimony that you received. You say who you are. Help us to step into you. Help us to know you better. Help us to be fitted to you. Give us the strength, Father, and only let them hear the words that actually honor you and glorify you. In your name I pray. Amen. All right, let me give you some context to John because we're jumping right into the middle of a weird passage, right? So John makes his purpose very plain. In the beginning, he says, or at the end, he says, I have written the signs, I have written all of this so that you might know that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is the Lamb of God, and that you may, by believing in him, have eternal life. That's the whole purpose of the book of John, right? that you would know, that you would believe, that you would be encouraged by the truth of who Jesus Christ is. And he uses a number of signs. I want to say it's seven, but I'm not sure. Um, These signs he uses to emphasize who he is. And Jesus has just done one. He's just healed a man who's been lame for 36 years. And he tells that man, hey, pick up your mat and go on a walk, carrying your mat. And the man does it. He gets up and he walks. And it's wild. But then the text says this really important thing. It says, and Jesus did this on the Sabbath. Right? Jesus did this on the Sabbath. And there's a rule that Greg talked about not long ago. And it says, you're not supposed to carry things on the Sabbath. You're not supposed to do it. Jesus, why did you tell this man (laughs) to break the Sabbath? Right? So the Pharisees are sitting there and they see this guy come walking up the street and he's carrying his mat and they're like, hey, what are you doing? And he says, 
well, the person that healed me told me to pick up my mat. And they're like, well, who heals you? Because we need to have it out with this man, right? And uh, uh, they say, and he says, I don't know. And then Jesus comes and finds him and says, hey, go and sin no more. And this man then goes to the Pharisees and says, it was Jesus. And the Pharisees are livid. Um, the text calls them the Jews. It's essentially the Jewish leaders. They come to Jesus and they're like, hey, what on earth are you doing? You don't have that authority. All right? So that's our context. And what Jesus is going to do is he's used this sign to say something very important about himself. He knows, he knows that this man should not be carrying his um, mat according to the Jewish laws and customs. He knows that it's the Sabbath. He's not um, just forgetting that in the moment of compassion. Everything that he did here was planned to have this conversation. The The stage is set. Jesus walks onto the court and he's going to be the big man on campus, right? And the Jews come, and they're like, hey, what are you doing? And Jesus makes a two-part argument, and we look at the second half. The first part, he says, I am the Son, and the Son watches the Father and learns from the Father, and the work that the Father does, I'm going to do. And more than that, the Father has life in himself, and I have life, so I'm going to give that life to others. That's what I'm going to do. And the Jews get it. They say, you're making yourself equal with God. What are you doing? You can't do that. That's blasphemy. Breaking the Sabbath was bad enough. Now you're telling us that you're equal with God? What on earth? Stop. And Jesus says, no. And that's where our passage comes in, right? Listen. If I testify about myself, my testimony is not valid. There is another who testifies in my favor. So Jesus is saying, hey, I have a witness that makes this right. I'm going to enter this argument with you. Let's talk. Let's have this conversation. And honestly, guys, Jesus is about to beat the tar out of these, out of these Jewish um, leaders. He's, he, he's going to wipe the floor with them, and that makes me really uncomfortable because what I really want Jesus to do <laughs> is to kind of be like, hey, come along, guys. Let's go on a walk. Let's figure this out together, right? Or just wink at his disciples and say, hey, let's just, they don't know. They're not part of the in-group. Ha, ha, ha. You're right, my bad. Like, that's the kind of thing that I want Jesus to do because that's the kind of thing I would do, right? But Jesus is not a Sam Dolby care package. He's not a Sam Dolby comfort blanket as much as sometimes he is. Sometimes he hits me that way. Sometimes he doesn't. And what he's going to show me is who he is and the robustness of his character, and his love for me, and his fight for me. So he says, look, I have a testimony. Now, Jewish law demands two witnesses for anything. If you're going to make a claim, you need two witnesses, particularly in a capital offense. He says, I've got a a witness or a testimony, and I know it's valid. So here he's going to give us his first um, person that he's going to call as one of his witnesses. But it's a surprise. He says, there is another who testifies in my favor, and I know that this testimony about me is valid. You have sent to John. He has testified to the truth. John is the, John the Baptist. And let me tell you who John the Baptist is real quick. He's the first prophet in Israel for 400 years, and he flips the Judean world upside down. He is the Billy Graham he is the big revivalist, right? He comes and bang, things are happening. People are coming to see him. He's like, hey, let, like, repent. The kingdom is coming. Here it comes. Get on board because Jesus is coming. He's calling all of Israel out to come meet him. 
and he's baptizing him, baptizing all of these people, and he's preparing their way for whoever's coming next. And the Jews send emissaries to them, like, hey, who is this guy? Who are you? And he says, hey, I'm not the one, but I am a lamp um, shining in the direction of that one, essentially. And the, the people, uh, the Jewish leaders are like, oh, okay, <laughs> and they just kind of go on. But, jo- but he, John, is the big, John the Baptist is a big deal. And for Jesus to say, John the Baptist testifies to me, is a pretty big hit. And then, and then Jesus says this, and this is so important, guys. It, listen to this. Not that I accept human testimony, but I mention it that you may be saved. John was a lamp that burned and gave light, and you chose for a time to enjoy his light. I have a testimony weightier than John. So John, John the Baptist is just like the first run. And it's not even the person that Jesus is like counting on. He's like, so John the Baptist is a big deal. But guess what? There's another. There's another and there's a bigger one. And he's going to make the light that is John the Baptist small. All right? So the, the, the Jews are like, okay, who's your, next test, who's your next guy? Who's your next witness? For the very work that the Father has given me to finish and which I am doing testifies that the Father has sent me, and the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. It's God. (laughs) Yikes. My second testimony is God. My second witness is God the Father. And guess what? He's just told it to me. And you can believe it through the works that I do. Guys, this 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 is the ultimate slap in the face if you're a Jew. If you're a Jewish leader and you're trying to start this conversation. Because Jesus is saying, no, we're not going to have this discussion. You either believe me or you don't. That's the end of this. The Father testifies to me and the Father testifies through, to me through or to you through my works. So the works that I do testify to me. Now he's not saying works speak louder than words. That's not what he's saying. He's saying my works are the Father's works because I am one with the Father. That's what he's saying. And guys, this is nuts. Essentially, if it's like we're playing paper, rock, scissors, shoot, right? And you throw scissors, and he throws dynamite, and he says, yeah, that's right, get out of the game, right? I don't, I don't, I don't want to talk to you about this. The Father is the one that testifies concerning me, right? That's it. End of discussion. And it's as if that's not enough, as if that's not enough, Jesus then goes and says, and guess what? Not only has the Father testified to me, but his word has testified to me. In verse um, 39, you diligently study the scriptures because you think by them you possess eternal life. You study the scriptures. And guys, these guys knew the scriptures. I was talking to the youth group not long ago. They knew what was the middle letter in the entire Old Testament. And it's a little bit bigger. Like they, they, they knew how many letters and words there were in the entire Old Testament. They knew everything there was to know about the Old Testament and the teachings. And Jesus is saying, you read them and you have no idea who they're talking about. It's me. So the very charge that you're bringing, that I'm bringing blasphemy, you get from the Word of God. And you read the Word of God and you don't even understand what it means. Your charge is worthless. What your, your attack against me is worthless because the Father and his word testify to me. If this, I, don't, I don't know if this makes you uncomfortable. It makes me really uncomfortable. Because essentially Jesus says, I'm not going to play by your rules. 
I'm not going to do this dance. You just need to get on board, right? The best, the best illustration I could have is another basketball illustration. I'm sorry. Um, LeBron James and Michael Jordan are having an argument about who's the best. And Michael Jordan says, I'm the best. <laughs> that didn't get loud. <laughs> I'm the best because God said so. Right? And LeBron is like, what? That's, that's a faulty appeal to authority. And Jesus says, not for me. Or look, Michael Jordan. Didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. I, G, Michael Jordan says, not for me. It's not a faulty appeal to authority. He said it. I heard him. All right? Now, this is huge good news for you. This is huge for you, friends. Because this means you don't follow a charlatan. You don't follow a, I, I don't remember where I got this line, a conjurer of cheap tricks. Who, I, don't know, <laughs> I don't know who says that, but it, some, someone says it. You don't follow a, magician, follow a magician or just someone who is really winsome. You follow someone and you give your life for someone who knows exactly who he is. The Father testifies to me. He tells me. And you need to listen. I can do what I want on the Sabbath. I can work on the Sabbath. I can function on the Sabbath because my Father does and I and the Father are one. Right? You don't follow someone who doesn't know who he is. You follow the most confident guy in the room. You follow the guy who's, who's flexing right now and says, you can't stand up against me because I got the Father as my witness and his word. And oh, by the way, I also have John just for your sake. <laughs> All right. He moves on. Because the second part of this that also really hurts me is that Jesus shames these Jewish leaders. Not that he hasn't done it already enough, but he really gets after them here. In verse 37, he says, You have never heard his voice, nor seen his form, nor, do this, nor does his word dwell in you, and then later, you, or, um, sorry, how can you believe if you accept praise from one another, yet make no effort to obtain the praise that comes from the only God? And you diligently study the scriptures because you think by them that you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me. And Moses is your accuser. So, so what Jesus is saying is, look guys, you don't know because you can't know, right? Because you refuse to come to me. So you don't love the Father because you don't love me. You don't hear his voice because you won't hear mine. You don't see his form because my form is the very image of the Father and you won't see it, right? You don't read your scriptures the way that you ought. You can't understand it. You don't know it. And Moses accuses you of it. You are not enough. Don't bring that weak stuff up in here. Right? Now, as one who often brings the weak stuff up in there, wherever, wherever, wherever there is, right? As the one who does that, I'm getting anxious. And I just want Jesus to hold these guys' hands. Just like, you know what, Jesus, just give them a hug. They just need a hug. Just give them some love. Some of you who have been really hurt by people, you're like, what? No, because you're seeing what the abuse is that's happening. 
You're seeing the attack that they're laying on Jesus, the false charges that they bring against him. And Jesus is showing you that he's going to fight for you, that he's not just going to walk to the other side of the room and smile and wink. He's not going to look the other way when tra- tragedies and horrible things are happening. He's saying, I'm going to confront this, and I'm going to deal with this, and look, I am the one with the Father. You need to get on board, or else I'm going to beat the tar out of you. Do not, do not put weight and baggage on my people. Do not get in my face and push me back. I am the Lord. Right? And that, ooh, that shame terrifies me. That he would do that to someone really hurts me. But I heard a really beautiful thing from a guy that I really appreciate. And what he said was, um, he quoted uh, Proverbs 25, 19, 19.25. And it says, the mocker, when the mocker is flogged, the simple learn wisdom, the simple gain prudence. When Jesus attacks these Pharisees and defends himself so strongly, all those who are standing there, they see it, and they're like, whoa, these are not the same. These two don't stand together. I have to choose between these two. It's like, it's like if there's a child who's really afraid of matches, and there's another child who's running around with matches lit to scare him because he thinks it's funny, you know, like a bully. All right? Jesus stands up and says, no, I'm not going to let this bully just do what he wants. I'm not going to let you scare this child. I'm going to step in, and I'm going to force you out of the ring, and you're going to deal with me, and we're going to fight it out. And guess what? I'm going to win. Right? Jesus is letting the Jewish leaders have it, guys. He has beaten the tar out of them. I think I've said that three times. It's not in my manuscript anywhere. Um, but he's really, he's really going after them. And in doing so, he's showing us what life looks like. He's giving us hope. He's drawing us in. There's this great scene in Hook. Um, if you haven't seen Hook, essentially, it's Peter Pan grows up. He forgets about Neverland. And Hook wants revenge, so he comes and kidnaps his kids and take his, takes his kids back to Neverland. And Pan has to go back, or Peter has to go back and save them, right? And so Peter comes back, but he can't remember that he was Peter Pan. He can't fly. He can't do anything. And there's this dude who's now the Lost Boys captain. And Peter shows up. And his name is Rufio. Rufio! It's <laughs> Rufio's kind of the man. He's kind of the man. And he's super cool. And he skateboards all over their like, log cabin it, or their tree cabin. It's Really, really interesting. I've watched it like three times with the youth group. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, so Rufio is like, look, this dude is not the pan. He can't crow. He can't fly. He can't do anything cool. He, like, this guy's just an old loser. And at the time, oh, no, I've forgotten his, the actor's name. Thank you. Robin Williams. At the time, Robin Williams kind of is an old loser. He, like, he just, he can't, he can't remember that he's Pan, and then a baseball hits him in the head, and he suddenly remembers, right? And now all of a sudden, he's flying, and everyone's like, it's the Pan! The Pan's back! And uh, Rufio, who's constantly put himself up against Peter, is standing there, and Peter flies by and cuts his pants off, which is a great thing in the movie. And, and, and 
Rufio's wearing long underwear, like it's, it's totally fine. And then I'm going to step outside the pulpit. And then Peter takes a sword and draws a line in the sand and stands at Rufio and does this. And it's just the power stance, right? And like, let me, the power stance. He's just like, I'm too big. And Rufio, Rufio just falls on his knees. And Jesus, uh, not Jesus, Robin Williams, Peter Pan, he says, hey, you got to choose. Who's the pan? Right? And Rufio gets up, the mocker, the one who's just been Robin Williams' thorn in his side, gets up and says, you can crow, you can fight, you can play, you can fly, you're the pan. And then they have this great episode where they're both uh, crowing. They're like, oh! And they're screaming at each other. And like, after all of the lost boys step on Pan's side, or Peter's side, Rufio joins Peter. All right? That's the, that's the extension that Jesus is giving to these Pharisees and those who are attacking him right now. He says, hey, I'm the Pan. Come step on board. Come on over here. All right. There's one last point, friends. And I think this is the point that touched me the most when I was preparing. And this point really didn't like hit me until yesterday afternoon, which is very different from Greg, who has his sermons done three weeks in advance. Like, <laughs> I put a lot of pressure on our staff here. Um, like, I, I, I was sitting there, I was like, How, what, what do I do? What do I do? I see these beautiful things about Jesus, and it's starting to become more beautiful. And then this hit me. Why is it why is it that um, the, Pharise- the, Jew- the Jewish leaders don't understand the Scripture? Why is it that they have never heard the voice of the Father? Why is it that they have never seen His form? Why is it that His Word does not dwell in them? Right? Why is it that Moses will accuse him- them? Why is it that they don't have the love of God in them? their hearts. It's because they don't believe in Jesus Christ. I don't know that all you who are here today are Christians. But friends, if you believe in Jesus Christ, then you are transformed from the, from the one who's worried to the one who has confidence. You're the big man on campus. You've got it. Your money. Christian, hear what is said of you. You have heard the Father's voice. You have seen His form. His Word does dwell in you. For, and you, for you believe the One who sent, whom He sent. You diligently study the Scriptures and you have eternal life because you believe in the One that, he's, that they testify about. Friends, you got it. Your money. I'm money. I'm the pan too. Right? Because Christ has called me and I believe in him. I'm trusting in him as my savior. Now, now, that doesn't fix me. Like I still came into this pulpit terrified. Right? I still stepped, woke up this morning and just like, 
I don't know how this is going to go. And I, don't, I still don't know how this has gone. <laughs> right? Like, like, th- like this is still the, the, the mess that we live in. But Jesus makes it very clear. We're not the Pharisees. We're not the ones who rebut him. We're not the ones that push against him. We're the ones that he is moving closer and closer and closer to. He's remaking you. He gives you the confidence. He gives you life. Oh, to have healthy life. It's your promise. You're going to get it because Jesus is giving it to you and he's doing it as you connect to him. And as you connect to him, I'm getting like, sorry. As you connect to him, you connect to the Father, the one who sent him. And you're brought into this new life. Listen to what Jesus prays for us. Did a great job of marking where I was going. Um, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me. That's what you have, friends. You have unity with the Father and His confidence and His strength gets to robe you and clothe you and pick you up. And that's your hope. And the promise of life is yours because that's where life is in Him and He gives it to you. Friends, let's pray. Heavenly Father, oh, would we know this. Would we know that we're loved by you? Would we know that, that we are the ones who hear your voice and respond? That we see your image and we believe. Encourage us, Father. Build us up and strengthen us. Thank you. Thank you that you fight for us. In your name I pray. Amen.